Hey folks, it's another episode of the Compulsive Podcast or Videocast if you're watching the video of this. And we are very lucky, very fortunate to have another special guest with us today. Um, I'm going to introduce the name here and I'm going to try and get this right. Daniel Struzhov, I think. I'm pretty close, as I understand. There you go. Yeah, he, he didn't hang up on me, so I, I feel like I'm pretty close. Uh, he's currently working at Amazon, but I'm going to ask Daniel to uh, introduce himself because I think he can do it a lot better than I can. Go for it. Hello, Daniel. Thank you for joining Hi. us. Hi. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to be here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm doing iOS a bit, um, so like about six years. Uh, initially, okay. uh, I started from like specific, very specific uh, to Russian language, which is called One, 1S. Uh, and it's like C-style language, which is really, really strange. And if you don't know how to code on that, like <laughs> you, you wouldn't guess how to do it. Very specific Interesting. Language. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. I'm originally from Ukraine, uh, but I started my career as a, a developer in Russia. And uh, one year ago, I moved to uh, Toronto, Canada, and uh, work for Amazon for now in uh, in Prime Video. Nice, nice. And I'm I'm a big Prime Video user. So let me get this out of the way and just say thank you for all your hard work to you and the rest of the teams. Greatly appreciated. You, you keep us all entertained for hours on end. So thank you for that. All right. So we're going to get into this here. I, I've got Daniel with us today. And we're going to talk. Um, we've got a few different topics that we want to talk about here. And I think that a lot of these are, are important topics that come up more and more these days, especially with larger companies. And that's kind of an area that we're, we're going to angle this towards. Because, of course, a lot of developers, you know, the, the, the goal or the dream, however you want to put it, is you know to, to work for one of the top companies right the amazons the googles you, you know the ones the apples you know all of these ones um and so we thought you know let's get together let's talk about this and see if we can help folks out and give them not only some insight into the experience but how to go about you know preparing for for the interviews and things like that um but i think you know, the, the first question I, I want to ask, because this is something that comes up all the time, and, and this one, you know, as you and I were talking before we were doing the recording, uh, this one stands out, uh, monolithic code bases, right? I think we've all inherited at least one in our time as, you know, development has shifted from, you know, these huge applications into a more, dare I say, maintainable uh, route. So um, do you want to talk about that? Because I'm sure you encounter this, you know, probably all the time, right, with where you're working now. So, uh, yeah, let's let's talk about how we break down those monolithic code bases that we all dread. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, regarding the like monolithic co code bases is... Uh, uh, sometimes it's quite a mess. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, on contrary, it's easier to work. It depends on your uh, team size. If the team size is rather small, maybe monolithic is the approach you want to go because you prioritize speed uh, over sort of quality and scalability because, yeah, I don't know, you want to do MVP, etc., etc. So, like, um, usually it's not, um, there, there is no such a thing like a, as a bad architecture or something. It's just that you need to select an architecture that will suit you well. But uh, in the modern uh, days, like, obviously, monolithic <laughs> code bases, they are not preferable usually because it's really hard to work on. You, your code uh, becomes very coupled. 
mainly because uh, the, even if you have like good intentions in terms of okay, I want uh, even in monolithic code base to build a clean architecture, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, uh, when it is very easy to do a mess. Uh, you you certainly will do a, at least part of the, those maths, and then mm-hmm. it just b- become more and more and more, uh, and uh, it, it can become a total mess eventually. So uh, yeah, of course, uh, in like um, big companies nowadays, we usually uh, break break down uh, big code bases, and uh, there is a reason for that. We want uh, to move as fast as possible, but we want to have like multiple pizza teams like we want our team uh, to be fed with just two pizza and we we don't want to have uh, too many people in the team and just move fast so and if we have so many teams it's just like very very difficult to work on one code base so we try to break it down to separate it to like smaller packages for backends to like uh, maybe like microservice architecture etc etc but uh, and sometimes even like uh, uh, what I encountered uh, in my practice is like for instance we didn't have a monolithic call base altogether but we had a huge part and uh, a team over overgrew and we wanted to split uh, a base for for separate team to operate uh, okay. faster. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, it's also not trivial because like uh, if uh, if you can stop and pause, if you can just make everyone else just to stop their work, and you can like calmly separate this base. Yeah, it's one approach. Of course, it's rather fast, um, but when you have many many teams and while they are working, while they are doing their job, you want to also split. Uh, the code base in the way that they almost didn't like don't notice this change this transition mm. and this mm. one is a bit harder yeah th- that's interesting because i think you know we we all experience this right you know there's there's this idea of either it's a new application or you're you know you, you there's this current application and someone says hey we're going to we're going to rework this or we're going to do a new version of this and there's never enough time given in a project to, to like, you know, okay, if I could do the, the, the ideals, you know, architecture and do this and do that, you, you never get that amount of time. So you always end up with teams overlapping each other. You know, uh, for example, one that I encounter all the time with, with sort of mobile apps, uh, you know, Invariably, there's a team trying to build the app or the front end of the app, and some of the APIs are not ready. So, you know, you end up with okay, who's going to stub out some APIs, and then we'll all work to make it work like that in the end. And I would imagine that when you're taking a large code base and trying to rework it into more, is it fair to say, reusable components or chunks? Uh, there's those decisions where it's like, okay, who's going to take this part? and own this and get to decide, you know, do you all come together and say, okay, what are these, all these APIs going to look like? Or do you hand something off and say, okay, we, you know, this team is doing this part and they know that they're going to want APIs to look something like whatever they're building. And then they go back and give that to another team who's probably busy building some other part. So how do you handle those kind of situations? Do you just basically come together and and try and help each other get through it or do you remain sort of very agile and say hey whatever i've got today may be completely different tomorrow 
Yeah, so basically uh, how we handle it, it's uh, initially, like, uh, it, it should be uh, ownership, uh, of course, on the code base, and uh, for the project it should be an owner. So uh, basically if, for instance, our team uh, do uh, this, like, separation and re-architecturing, so at the moment of the project we are owner and we uh, make a decisions though like the process process of these decisions is uh, not like uh, that trivial we cannot decide whatever we want we we need to present our, our ideas we need to discuss on those ideas we need to address all the points but eventually if after like all these processes and sometimes it's really long process especially if you have some frictions over some issues it could mm-hmm. be uh, not that fast as as you would expect uh, but eventually like so w- uh, how we did it uh, so basically we said okay we are owners and we will do this this and this and we will support uh, uh, everything and, and we'll try to do it as smoothly for you as possible and afterwards after we finish like the first phase uh, when all the teams that involved will gain more autonomy then we will uh, revelate our goals and decide who owns what. For instance, do we want to have a shared or common packages between teams that uh, like moved apart? Do we still want to maintain this? Or we want for them to be like co- completely separated and do whatever they want? And it's, it's a discussion. And what, what you don't want usually to do, you don't want to address all the issues in advance because you want to um, have the decision as late as possible because at, the, at that time you will have the majority of information and it would be probably enough to make a right decision. But if you made all the decisions on, on the start of the projects, uh, apparently it's not a good decision. Yeah. yeah, it's funny how that works out, right? You think you've got everything and you're like, we're good to go. And then you start it and then it's like, oh yeah, there's that thing, or there's that thing, or we forgot about this one. Or, uh, you know, I've heard that occasionally product folks come in and make new requests. I don't know that, you know, I, I, almost daily, I think, is, a, is the way to put that. Um, so it, it, it is interesting, um, but I do like that flexibility because I would imagine a lot of the time one of the underlying things that you're looking at here is how can we make this... Uh, module, library, however you want to phrase it, um, you know, usable for many different things, right? So, for example, I know when I'm looking at something, if it feels like something that's either going to be used in another application or another part of the application or something like that, um, you, you tend to take a very different view of how you craft that. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the question that I think all of us developers are like, oh gosh, here we go. Do you document it as you go or do you, is it more of a live conversation and there's just enough documentation to keep everybody moving forward? Because I'm sure that's part of it too, right? Yeah, sure. Sure it is. Um, with the big companies, I uh, I didn't work with like uh, uh, like all the fan companies or something. Uh, I have uh, sort of just uh, Amazon and like some company that I worked for, uh, they, they were big enough, but not like Amazon size and not Mm -hmm. that many teams but for like huge companies that have many many teams um, uh, documents is a requirement 
And it's like when you start to work, like initially you can think that it's bureaucracy. They like all the documents just slows you down, etc., etc. Uh, however, I have a, like after working on it, uh, I have a different opinion because um, it's something that like basically just your thoughts. You prepare your thoughts, and while you put your thoughts like on writing, usually you have a better idea even yourself. And yeah. only after you evaluate it and you think, okay, now I'm ready to present those ideas, then you start to present it. And another thing is, like, you don't know at the time for how many people in teams you need to present the doc. Initially, mm -hmm. it can start as, okay, I present this doc just for my team. And for that, you can think, okay, maybe I shouldn't do the doc. Maybe I should just discuss. But you never know. And... Um, Often it uh, conversation moves forward and uh, your team wants to discuss it across like few teams and then it could be even like uh, four for five teams could be discussing this <laughs> dog etc etc and you just you, you cannot like present your ideas each time like verbally it's just mm -hmm. inefficient if it is prepared if you wrote this doc once you just can pr present this doc to any team whatever and you, you take them uh, give them uh, 10 minutes to read it and you're good to go they, they are ready to ask you questions but otherwise it would be super inefficient yeah you know it's funny because as you were saying that i was thinking to myself you know one scenario that comes up um, a lot and I think we're all getting used to it now is this realization of at some point anybody could look at your code, right? Now that we all use source control and repos and however that may look, you know, when you stop and you realize, ooh, yeah, anybody in engineering might look at my code or my documentation at any time, it's it's like a, a stop sign that makes you stop and say to yourself, think twice about this, right? Because it's one thing, you, we've all done it, right? You write that piece of code quickly to solve a problem and, and you make that fatal mistake of saying to yourself, yeah, I'll go back tomorrow and make that better. We all know it's never mm -hmm. going to happen, but, but we, we tell ourselves. And the next thing you know, it's in a repo and someone's asking you, do you really think that was the best way to do this? You know, So it is interesting um, in these multi-team environments and, and access to each other's code, and especially if you like you're writing code that other people are going to use, um, I think it's it makes for, uh, for a for a better experience for everybody because without realizing it, you're learning disciplines and skills that you know these are the kind of things you will take from t to every team, to every product, to every company, um, and I and I always think it's good for people to get these kind of things up front. Um, something we'll talk about later on that I know both of us uh, care about a lot is mentoring. And I think that, you know, some of that comes into play as well, which is to get those kind of what we call the soft skills into play here. Time for a break. All right, here it is. The one thing that I cannot do without every day, and that is my coffee. Anyone that knows me or anyone that's listened to any of my podcasts or anything else knows that I absolutely cannot operate without my coffee, and I love good coffee. So here's the deal. I'm going to give you one free bag of coffee by going to peterwidom.com forward slash coffee. There is a wonderful company out there that follows the fair trade practices, helps out a lot of independent roasters of all sizes, and the operation is simple. What you do is... You're going to go to, to peterwidham.com 
forward slash coffee. You sign up there. You get a free bag of coffee sent to you. Yes, in return. They say thank you to me by giving me some coffee. But that's not the reason I'm doing this. The reason I'm doing this is because I have found so many good coffees that I just would never have come across, heard about, or experienced without this service. Trade coffee is, is just fantastic. Uh, you know, there are plenty of places out there. We all know them that supply coffee, good coffee. You can go to the store, get the coffee. But there is nothing better than discovering new independent roasters and supporting them, discovering new flavors of coffee, new grinds for you can set it up. It's very smart. You tell it the kind of coffee you like. And over time, it gets better and better as it trains in on your selections and your choices and gives you exactly the coffee you're looking for and recommending new ones that, that will be very similar. Every time I get a new packet of coffee, I go through and afterwards I try the coffee. I go through the service and I say, look, I loved this coffee. I thought this coffee was okay. Or I say, look, I've, this was really not for me. And every time I do that, it makes the service a little more accurate on the next selection for me. So again, just go to peterwidham.com forward slash coffee. Get your free bag of coffee today. If you're a coffee lover, you're going to really appreciate this service. I have been using it for years at this point and thoroughly recommend it. Break time over. Um, and I, So I'm going to ask now, uh, another question I want to ask is, you know, working in a, a huge company with, you know, uh, responsibilities to, to so many users, both outside and presumably so many departments and teams and everything else inside as well. So what advice would you give someone if they were to interview to, you know, say, join one of these teams in a, in a big company, something like that? Um, are there certain things that you think, you know, are beneficial? Go go think about this or, or go, you know, approach a problem a certain way. Any advice you could give there? Um, yeah, Um Maybe the, if, if I would give one main advice, it would be uh, never be shy, ask questions. How, mm. It doesn't matter how silly they, they sound. Uh, even now, sometimes I, sometimes I hesitate uh, to ask and I'm trying to force myself to ask. Uh, even if like everyone knows the answer, it's just uh, the best way for you like not to fail. Uh, sometimes, yeah, it could be a sort of a weird question. Though usually people don't think so, but you you can like you can have so much less problems <laughs> with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. E even like even simplest questions. Even if it's a huge project and you you just heard something about it and everyone talks about it and you know you don't know and you know nothing about that. Just ask the question even on a like uh, sort of large meetings. And it's also something that my manager encouraged our teams to, to do. Uh, and uh, he like constantly repeating like don't hesitate, like ask, ask, ask questions. And I think it pays off like really, really well. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely correct. And, uh, you know, I echo that statement completely, um, both for myself and, and I say to everybody on my teams, uh, you know, regardless of how long you've been doing something, whether you're new to a team, been there all while, uh, even like I say myself, you know, ask as many questions as you think you need to. And I always tell everybody too, if you need to ask the same question multiple times because you didn't get it, great, 
do that, right? You know, I, I, I always sort of emphasize to, to folks that work with me, and, and this is the approach I take is, you know, uh, keep asking questions, even if it's the same question, until you think you're really understanding either what the solution to a problem is or what you're being asked to build or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, keep asking until you're satisfied. And I love it when folks, you know, like you mentioned, um, say, look, you know, ask the questions, right? There, there, there are no silly questions. If it's a question, it's because you need something from it. So keep asking until you get it. Otherwise, you know, we may go away and do the wrong thing, right? And that can be one person, the entire team, or anything like that. So, yeah, I absolutely, I echo that statement. Always ask questions. All right, so another question that I have here, um, you know, is is about preparing for interviews. You know, I, I did a, an episode recently where I was talking about not being afraid of technical interviews, right? It's part of our job. It, it you know, you, you should always expect to have to do one at this point, especially for the for the top companies, right? So, um, you know, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, it, it's impossible to know going into an interview. I think exactly what they may ask you, but I think there are com- kind of some common areas, right? Um, you know, so so what do you think if you you know if I was to come to you or someone was to come to you and say, hey, what do you think are like some of the sort of basic general things that I should at least have a passing knowledge of? You know, any suggestions there? Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, I had quite quite a plenty of interviews across like different companies. Uh, I had interviews with uh, Apple, even like two <laughs> at one week. It was two insights. Um, nice. I had with Google, with Pinterest, with Atlassian, and uh, other companies. Uh, You've been through them companies. all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You could probably write a book on this then, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, it depends on your level. So, but usually uh, wh- what you need uh, is uh, algorithms if uh, we are talking about like uh, uh, technical interviews. Uh, many companies ask, but, um, uh, but team decides. Uh, for Usually at all companies, uh, like exact teams, they, they decide. Uh, what they want to ask and if they want to ask algorithm or not but uh, like 70% chance that he will be asked so you need to be prepared um, mm-hmm. maybe one reminder that you shouldn't be over prepared uh, it's what happened with me I was a bit afraid of uh, interviewing and I always thought like okay it's like not enough I need to solve more task like 50 more etc <laughs> etc et and it's like constant fear that like okay you might fail but actually you need to act you don't need to think too much you need to act uh, yeah. not, not sure about current economy, uh, economy because nowadays it's a bit trickier than it used mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. but I, I think like advice is still applicable um, uh, and uh, regarding algorithms, you need to know just the common patterns. You don't need to like learn everything by heart. And whenever you solve a task, um, oh yeah, another one um, that I uh, had a problem with. I uh, initially I thought that I need to come up with ideas for solving this algorithm by like uh, by by myself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I spent like uh, 10, 11 hours just trying to solve one task, uh, like one question on a lead code. And it gotcha. was uh, like u- useless <laughs> because <laughs> you don't want to do this. 
you don't want just to sit and pull your hair and just yeah. okay like it doesn't work what do you want to do just give you a time like give yourself 40 minutes and you if you cannot come up with like any meaningful uh, solution just uh, read a solution try to understand the solution and then like recreate the solution um like f- from your head and uh why is that so because like all these questions they have p- p- patterns and better for you to solve more questions and understand this pattern and re- memorize the pattern rather than just uh, like reinvent reinventing for yourself even if you like create by yourself i don't know the binary search like previously you didn't know for instance and now you created it it doesn't matter like co- companies will not hire <laughs> you for that you just need to learn patterns <laughs> Yeah, that, that, you know that that is a, a great advice because you you can become obsessed with the perfection of one answer, and and like you say, it's kind of that thing of you know when you're at school and you do tests, right? One question is not a hundred percent of the, the 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 rating, right? It's it's maybe five percent, ten percent. So yeah, don't I, I love that advice of don't obsess about you know the question um, because I'm curious how you feel about this and sort of your views on this one of the things that i always say to folks is not necessarily looking for the absolutely correct answer i'm more looking to understand how you're thinking about solving the problem and maybe maybe you can't write it in code but you can describe it to me and that tells me that you understood the problem and you are at least taking a good approach And I'm curious what you think about that or do you think that companies really do focus more on the you know the sort of the technical aspect of the code or or the sort of the methodology that you use to solve the problem. Mm, yeah, it it depends. Like um like the, the common uh, like um understanding is that you need to show this clear a way of thinking and you need to uh, show that you just not like memorize the answer or something you yeah, just yeah. Uh, y- you need to like write all your steps and it's sort of a mixture of technical and soft skills because you need to present your ideas and on that part it's like about soft skills um and like i think it's really important and i think that um like um on the interviews it, it should be the main thing that uh, people uh, like evaluating um but in, in the real world it's not always the case in the real world if you or like or for, or for instance um um in in huge companies where they have like many many like thousands of interviews if you like uh, solve all your problems and you solve them correctly with the best performance even if you didn't explain it well it's better usually like at least from my experience it's better okay uh, but if you like stuck and you don't know an answer um you uh, must demonstrate those skills um and like even regarding you must demonstrate your skills uh mm-hmm. in sort of explaining and on the other note like if you learn how to explain your thoughts usually uh for you it's easier to come up with ideas and eventually to solve the problem so uh, like to sum up like i think it's really beneficial and is g- really good stuff but some some like interviewers i think it, sometimes ignore it yeah yeah i know um for example when i've done some in the past you know uh, we should explain to folks uh that usually there's more than one round of these things as well 
and sometimes you have different people looking for different things. I know, for example, I remember I did one one time and, you know, like the first kind of in the, the first two interviews, I think it was, was really more to sort of judge whether they felt like I was, you know, kind of even worthy of the next round, as it were. And then once we got to like the third round, we were deep down in the code and I was sitting with some of the team members. And so at that point, it was clear that, okay, this, this one's about the code, right? You know, this, this, this is the, it's, um, you know, got to put something on the screen here kind of thing. And, and uh, it's got to work, you know. Would it be fair to say that, you know, perhaps it's easy for us to say it, but, you know, almost try to enjoy it and relax, right? It's not, you know, I don't think one thing is ever going to, you know, be your downfall, as it were, and someone's going to judge you and say, well, you got that wrong, so that's it, you're off the list, right? I think you always get, like, a second chance, right? Yeah, um, definitely. I mean... um, um some like I had interviews where people were like sort of uh, a bit uh, confused, and sometimes I felt even anger regarding my answers. And I yeah. I'm not sure if they behave this way usually, or I said something wrong. But it's mm-hmm. like uh, usually just a small percentage of people who behave in this way. Majority of people would would want you to succeed. Uh, would would like to help you and especially on interviews it's also a skill to listen where the interviewer guides you and you must listen to that and you must follow those like uh, should or must I don't know uh, follow this this direction because like it signals for them that you uh, sort of understand assignments and you read uh, between lines and uh, like it's easier for uh, to communicate with you and if uh, interviewer gave you a small hint and it helped you to succeed and to eventually come up with a a good solution it's a good thing you will be evaluated like um, as a high bar because you understood, like understood from the small hints. Yeah, and and actually, you know that that is a very good point um, about listening because I think that circles back to like we were talking about earlier on, which is if you think that you didn't quite get what they're asking you to do, ask questions, right, yeah, and, and yeah, make sure, sure. because <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine nothing worse than you know you think that you heard them. And you think you understood what they were asking for, and you give them a an absolutely excellent solution to a completely different problem than the one they were looking for, right? So, so it yeah. like you say, you know, that listening and asking questions, it, it's something that it, it's almost a case of get used to that. That should haunt you throughout your entire career, right? L- listen and ask questions. So that's good. Yeah, um, definitely. It's, something else I want to ask you about here. I'm just looking at my notes here just quickly um, because. Mm-hmm. Something that you, that you mentioned, um, and I'm trying to be conscious of our time as well, and you know, because as is always the way with these things, you know, once you get talking with folks, you can talk for hours. But I noticed that you know something that you mentioned is mentoring as well, and I wondered if you, you wanted to touch on that at all because that is something I love to do with folks. Um, you know, I, and I tell them up front, look, I, I may not be the best person for this, but I, I absolutely love trying to help people either get started or, or find a way into their, you know, the path that they want. So um, you want to talk about that? 
Yeah, sure. Um, I, I like mentoring and um, um, like y- you need to look at it uh, like from several angles. Uh, like you usually want to be a mentor uh, and uh, you want uh, to be someone who like uh, to find a mentor to help you. And it actually can be like... Um, for different levels. I don't think that you need a mentor only for a junior positions where you want to learn as much as possible, but even on a higher positions, um, like for, for instance, I, I would like to have a mentor uh, for like to deep dive on my management skills because I think uh, I am better at technical skills rather than like sort of management and uh, uh, people, especially people management. Um, and uh, I, like um, during my career, I mentored people, um, and I think also like while you are mentoring, you also gain a benefit for yourself too, uh, because you like revisit your knowledge. You you need to be well prepared to pre- present your thoughts to your mentee. Also, uh, you look like mm, you look at the people uh, as they like grow. And you also think, okay, like I see them growing that fast and you're also thinking, okay, maybe I should grow too because especially if you feel that you're stuck at your current position. So I think like from different viewpoints, mentoring is a very good thing. And usually if you have time and if you have a desire, uh, like go for it and uh, find a mentor or be a mentor for other people. Especially it's like true. So if it's true for people in a higher position to find a mentor for themselves. Also, it's true if you're a junior, you also can mentor someone who is very, very junior, and while helping them, you will grow tremendously too. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, if you're mentoring someone, you gain so much from it yourself without even realizing it. And, and like you say, you know, the skills that you're learning without even knowing it, um, communication skills, you know, with folks who maybe don't understand something as well as you do, or, you know, if you're, you know, you've got a mentor that you're working with, um, you know, they're learning to communicate with you in a way that you'll understand it and, you know, sort of grow together there. But then also you're learning uh, potentially some pair programming there as well. Uh, Problem solving, of course, working with a team, you know, these are all things that I think we all pick up without realizing it. And, you know, we tend to think of mentoring as a, as a technical thing. And whilst that's true, um, it is only part of, of the process, right? And I agree with you, too. I think it's a good point that, you know, a lot of people think mentoring is, you know, for the folks just coming into a, a field, you know. Um, but but you're right. It, it is all levels. Or, you know, for example... You know, if if a developer is looking to maybe become a team lead or something like that, uh, yeah, go go and find see if you can find yourself a mentor to to find out what what that position's really like, right? And it, you know, as we've a common thread here, uh, ask questions, right? Because you, it might sound like something you want to do, but when you find out the reality of it, you might not. And it's better to find out before you apply for the position. Um, because you might get the position and then afterwards realize, ooh, this was not what I thought it was going to be, you know, and something like that. So, so I think that that's a you know a great, a great way to look at it. Uh, is there anything else here that that uh, you want to bring up and, and for us to talk about? Um, 
Yeah, so uh, and uh, uh, one more thing, maybe it's like um, it's additional style of learning too. So mm-hmm. like, don't think that if the information, like foundational information, is the same, uh, it doesn't like, and you just need to go for one way of learning it. You need to try different angles, and um, uh, mentoring is especially valuable because uh, it's not static. Like it's dynamic, it's adjustable to your needs, to your questions, to your state of mind at the moment, and uh, I mean above all other forms, uh, it's uh, definitely one of the most valuable. And you don't uh, like usually you are not bored. Also, you you're not all uh, like you you can, um, for instance, if you are learning like your kid, yeah, right for uh, for iOS, and while discussing with mentoring, you can find out other stuff. But it'll, and like how like UI kit is uh, I don't know applicable to, uh, to to some areas or what are the alternatives in different fields or something interesting. Uh, on, on contrary, if you would learn it by yourself, you would just focus on UI kit and you wouldn't bro- broad your knowledge. So it's important. Right up there with that is um, something that I think we're all we all learn pretty quickly, which is. Whatever technologies I'm I'm learning and using today, probably a few years and now from now will look very different. Uh, UI Kit is a very good example of that, as as clearly Apple is is now, you know, saying, "Hey, uh, that Swift UI thing we keep mentioning, uh, yeah, you better get used to it, right?" Um, so so you're quite right. And and funny enough, that question comes up to me a lot when I'm, you know, doing my live streams and things like that. Uh, and I'm sure these are discussions take place all the time, which is huh, UI kit or Swift UI or app kit or, you know, uh, whatever it may be. And, and even other platforms, you know, like I do work with React Native and that as well. And, and it's funny because it, it serves to show, I think, that there is no one universal answer and, um, you know, go with what feels right. And I guess that that works with the teams as well. Right. And so this is a question for you. Uh, as a team, do you sit and discuss, okay, what technologies do we think best suits solving the problem here? Um, yeah, uh, uh, definitely we discuss uh, and we try to evolve. Uh, as a team, we try to learn uh, and we try to enhance our project to, to, to be a better version of itself as a, as a human <laughs> almost. Um, yeah. Uh, so we, we are constantly like uh, learning and uh, like for instance we, uh, we uh, like um, recently like one month ago it was WWDC and we had even like we, we decided to divide and conquer and uh, sort of uh-huh. uh, w- watching like one person w- were watching one day or, and then we would uh, come up with ideas and how we can actually improve uh, and what can we use in our project etc etc uh, oh, so like yeah, it's it's nice, and it also while we are presenting these ideas, as I mentioned like before, we use docs too, even for such a small things. Because <laughs> if we need to discuss it in a broader uh, community, yeah, doc is ready. So, uh, and uh, then uh, while making decision, yeah, usually I'm not sure like about majority. Uh, rarely actually we decide like just uh, like let's vote, and if it's like. Uh, five versus six, we will go to this approach. Usually, we're trying to discuss to the point where we like 
inclined to, towards one solution over another. And we're trying to evaluate and trying to um, have a comprehensive list of pros and cons prior to moving forward. Um, also, we do some sort of a POC. So, for instance, if we want to move forward with, uh, like, uh, like you don't know the tool, right? Or, or for instance, like you have a, a Swift UI and uh, you want to move forward and rewrite the whole application for a Swift UI. We, we do some, like, small POC. We would uh, this, uh, create this uh, proof of concept where we build just a small piece, uh, the small feature, and then document, document it, document it, the, the performance of this tool, how easy it is to use, what are the like all pros and cons, and would uh, like discuss and then decide. Great, love that. Yeah, uh, often what we do, uh, folks that I work with, is similar thing. Someone or a few folks will will either have encountered something or have an idea, and will say, "Okay, we'll go look at that," and then come back. Like you say, put a documentation together, put a demo together, and and kind of present it to us and and sell us on the idea, you know. And and I think that that is also a great way of keeping everybody engaged and and invested in the solutions, right? Because I think that you know, as as developers and engineers, um, th- there's nothing worse than you know you get a document and tells you how to do this thing, and then someone tells you how to make it. Right. And it, it's, it's so much more interesting, I think, to us when you're given the freedom of here's the problem. How do you think we should solve it? Because it, it gets those extra gears going in, in you know, to, to stop and look at this and go, oh, well, OK, I, you know, I now feel like I can entertain any option to solve this problem as opposed to, well, we've always done it this way. So we're going to do it this way. You know, so that, so that's interesting and always nice to hear as well. Because it, it makes it more fun, right? And I think that that's the other thing. You've got to enjoy this. If you don't enjoy this, this doing this stuff, uh, it's going to feel like work, right? And eventually you sort of start to resent, you know, some of the things. So, so that's interesting. Right? Um, so, so Daniel, thanks so much for, for joining me today. I think it's been a wonderful conversation. And I know the listeners and the viewers, they're going to, they're going to get some really valuable information here, I think, to take away. And to think about and and hopefully, you know, uh, whenever we do these interviews with folks, I'd like to think of it as kind of the start of the discussion. And now the listeners can take it away. Think about, you know, what's been put forward and maybe it's got them thinking about things in a new way. So, you know, we'll put links in the show notes if you want to reach out to Daniel and and talk with him. But thank you so much for joining me and giving the time and, and expertise today. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you.